Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Okay, so tonight we are going to be wrapping up 1 Kings, the book. Topically, we did chapter 22, verse by verse, on Tuesday. It's a lengthy chapter, and we did, tonight we'll be doing topical. And as you come to chapter 22 of 1 Kings, we've been through about six kings of the northern kingdom of Israel after the divided kingdom, after Solomon died, and then Jeroboam led the ten tribes in the north, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Judah and the blended tribe of Benjamin with them in the south. And there's never a good king in the north, but there are some good kings in the south. About 40 kings total over about a 300-year period. And so we're just kind of plowing through this. But 1 Kings emphasizes those northern kings, as does 2 Kings. When we get to Chronicles, it emphasizes the southern kings of Judah. And there's, of course, crossover because the kings interact with one another, either for good or war or whatever could be going on. But this book primarily focuses on those kings of the northern kingdom. And so tonight we're, we're wrapping it up. But we, since we looked at Ahab so much last week in detail with lessons from Ahab, and Ahab has been a dominant figure for a northern king in the latter half of this book. And he really is pretty dominant in chapter 2. It's his 22. It's his death and his end at the hand of the Lord for all of his rebellion and disobedience. In chapter 22, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the son of Asa, who reigned a long time, is introduced to us. Jehoshaphat also reigned a long time in Judah. So as neighbors, they're connected. Now, when chapter 22 starts, Jehoshaphat goes to the north to connect with Ahab. And Ahab says, hey, look, let's go attack Ramoth Gilead. It really belongs to Israel. Why do we ever let the king of Syria go have it? And there's been three years with no war. And say, so, okay, let's do this. And Ahab has all these false prophets that come up and say, you're going to have victory. And Jehoshaphat says, like, isn't anyone else that has an opinion on this? They bring in Micaiah. He says that Ahab is going to be struck down and it's a bad ending for everybody. And so he gets thrown in prison or in jail for saying things that the evil king Ahab doesn't want to hear. And off they go to war, to battle. Jehoshaphat with his king's robe on. Ahab would camouflage, if you will, to not be obvious who he is. Like he's hiding from the Lord and Jehoshaphat's like, hey, I always have victory at the Lord. Let's go do this because he always did have victory at the Lord. So one guy's going out with the confidence of the Lord. The other guy's going out terrified of the Lord. And sure enough, Jehoshaphat gets chased but cries out to the Lord. The Lord delivers him. It says in Chronicles that he cried out to the Lord and the Lord delivers him. But Ahab, he's like on the down low and he takes like an arrow right between the armor And he bleeds out that night looking at the Syrian sunset and the nation of Syria. And if you recall last week, we know that he let the Syrian king go, Ben-Hadad, who was appointed to death. And it's ironic that he died facing his failure on that last day of planet Earth. But I've had enough of the northern kings for this book, and I've had enough of Ahab. So let's look at Jehoshaphat tonight. And we'll pick it up with Jehoshaphat in chapter 22, verse 41, because the Holy Spirit gives us in this historical record a review of Jehoshaphat's life. So we have this detailed event that happened that I just recap for you 
when he went to war with Ahab against Ben-Hadad for Ramoth-Gilead. And then that sets up the story or the summary of his life because he randomly jumps into the book with no introduction. This event happens that I just shared with you, and then you get the summary of his life. And because he's such a good king overall in the history of Israel, it's worth taking a look at what is said about him here in the back end of chapter 22. So in verse 41 of chapter 22, it says this. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, had become king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shili. And he walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn aside from them doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Also, Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, the might that he showed, how he made war, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And the rest of the perverted persons, the Kadesh, those are the, the gay prostitutes, who had remained in the land during the days of his father, Asa, he banished from the land. So he expelled them. He got them out. He's like, that's, that's not happening. Verse 47, there was no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. It's an interesting verse that pops up in here. Verse 48, Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, like Solomon did, right? Solomon did the same thing. But they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Ezan Gabor. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. So this is the summary of Jehoshaphat, this great king who got duped into this whole thing that preceded this synopsis earlier on in this chapter that we studied on Tuesday night in detail. Now, I want to read to you some things about Jehoshaphat's life from the book of Chronicles to shed light on what we just read about his life. Because tonight, we're, going to, we're getting lessons from the life and legacy of Jehoshaphat. And I think, I believe personally, even though Asa's featured in the book of 1 Kings and Rehoboam is, for, is also featured in 1 Kings because they're kings of Judah. But again, the primary focus are those northern kings. That the fact that Jehoshaphat pops up here in this story before the end of the book He is, of course, a great contrast to the life of Ahab, who we studied in detail last week, lessons to learn from his failures. And so with this in mind, I want to really draw out the good things and the beautiful things from a a life well lived and just the human experience because we we see it all in that summary. But quite there's two or three chapters for his life in Chronicles. And in chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, it talks about Jehoshaphat. And it says that, you know, he came to reign and that the Lord was with him because he walked. So I'm in chapter 17 of Second Chronicles, if you want to turn there. Uh, otherwise, you can listen to me. But he, now, the, verse 3 says, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. So he's compared to the great King David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore, the Lord, listen, because he was obedient, Verse 5 tells us, Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance. It's all the result of his obedience to the Lord. Verse 6 says, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Man, he loved the Lord. 
He wanted to be at church. He wanted to be in fellowship. He wanted to be at the women's event. Or she wanted to be at the women's event. Or he wanted to be at the men's thing. They wanted to be at Christmas dinner. They wanted to be at, like, Woody's for breakfast with the guys. Like, that's, he was that guy. He, he, wanted, he wanted to be in fellowship and with God's people. He, he wanted to talk about the Lord. He was set toward the Lord. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Now, we just read in Kings that he didn't. So evidently, there was a point in his career where he did remove the high places. But human beings, where they are, they're like, well, yeah, you can close a liquor, couple of liquor stores in your city one year. And then a few years later, someone else is on the city council and they re- put those liquor stores back there. We know how that works in the human experience. So evidently, something like that happened. But it says in the third year of his reign, verse 7, that he sent out leaders. And these leaders went out and were told in verse 9 that they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord. They went out with the books of Moses and they taught the Ten Commandments. They taught the truth. They gave a standard by, of right and wrong for the people. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and they taught the people the word of the Lord, line upon line, precept upon precept, verse by verse. And it says in verse 10 of chapter 17 of Second Chronicles that the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the land, the surrounding kingdoms that were around Judah so they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. This sheds light on us for Edom and the deputy being there in Edom, right? It gives us more insight to that. It gives us background. Also, look at this. After all we've been through with judges and the Philistines, look what this says. Also, some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. I mean, we haven't seen anything like that, WG, going through this, the Bible verse by verse with the Philistines. Like, it's all-out war. Kill or be killed with the Philistines. This guy, obeying the Lord, this great king, it's like, hey, even if the Lord makes even our enemies be at peace with us. And in this case, that is the case. And the Arabians brought him flocks. Like, these guys are coming from far away. Here, have some sheep, have some goats. 7,700 rams, 7,700 male goats. And so it says in verse 12 that he became increasingly powerful. He built fortresses and stored cities. He had much property in the cities, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. Man, he had a great standing army. He was just, man, he was blessed. Later on in Second Chronicles in chapter 19, it says in verse 4 that as time went on, he set judges, verse 5 of chapter 19, still with Jehoshaphat, it says he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and he said to the judges, now think about this. Think about this right now on planet Earth, all that we've watched in the last three years. Think about this. He set judges in the land throughout the fortified city, city by city. He said, take heed to what you're doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord. Who is with you in the judgment? Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking bribes. Listen, there's a good time to be alive in human history in certain places and a bad time to be alive in human history in certain places. I shared with you before, it's ranked the worst time to ever live was to be a male living in Russia from 1880 till 1960. The worst time to be a male on planet Earth in the land of Russia from that timeline. Based upon wars, violence, health care, turmoil, civil wars, Red Army, White Army, Red Army, Stalin, Lenin. It just goes on and on. Khrushchev, the rest. This was a good time to be, a Jew, Jew, to be Jewish in the tribe of Judah in the southern kingdom. He would not permit the winking of the eye, the shuffling of the feet, and the shady stuff that people do. 
It's, it is saddening and grieving to see in our news when you find out now all this information where things were covered up, people were canceled, truth was canceled, and bribes were taken, and there's just so much more than what's presented to us. It's just, it's crazy. But that's not why you're here because you don't come here to hear about that. But this is a contrast to that. This is what it's like when Jesus Christ reigns in the courtroom. This is what it's like when Jesus Christ is the Supreme Court because he is the Supreme Court. This is what it's like. There is no politicking. There is no agenda. There's no bribes. There's no conspiracies. And listen, if we've seen this in our own country, and we have, the world sees a lot more of it. Proportionally, our country is the greatest of probably having the least amount of this. Most countries that get anything done, it starts with giving someone a wink and cash in an envelope. I always appreciate in America that you presumed innocent before you're presumed guilty, although we see less of that. But isn't this beautiful? Like Jehoshaphat is an amazing king, and we just read in Second King, excuse me, First Kings chapter 22, that he walked with the Lord in all of his ways, and he was blessed. And now we get this deeper, it's almost like when you read something in Mark's gospel, it's like three verses, and then you read it in John's gospel, it's a whole chapter, and you realize the beauty and the depth of what was being summarized in Mark's gospel. He warned them, and he said later on in verse 9 of chapter 19, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord faithfully with a loyal heart. Then he went on to say, no matter what's going on in all these matters, behave courageously, and the Lord will be with the good. See, this is our application tonight for the body of Christ. Because we're not kings of Israel, but we are people on planet Earth, and most of us here tonight would say that we represent Jesus Christ and we're disciples of Christ. And really, you might say, we have a little teeny kingdom that's entrusted to us. Whatever our sphere of influence is, that's our little teeny kingdom. And whatever influence we have, this is who we can be. It's God who wills and works in us for his good pleasure. And Christ, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is always working in our life to make us like him, to bring him into the equation, and to bring this type of, this type of beauty Isn't this beautiful? Like, if you really think about it, this is beautiful. What if you could go to Superior Court in Santa Ana every day of the week when all the jurors are waiting out front, because I've been in that group, maybe you have too, and people are lined up ready to go in and you clear security and all these things. What if you just knew, and you've got this small claims court, you've got a civil trial, a criminal trial, and you've got murder, and you've got people suing for millions, and, or little teeny things. What if you could show up knowing when you walked through that door and you saw all those historical photos on the walls of times past from 100 years ago in Santa Ana and the judicial system? What if you knew without a doubt 100% accuracy for justice in that courtroom? Wouldn't that just be beautiful? Well, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus reigns on planet Earth. That's what's coming. And we get to represent that. Not that we're judge and jury of anybody, but we represent whatever things are true, just, noble, praiseworthy, and honorable, representing the coming kingdom on behalf of the king until he gets here. That's a beautiful thing, that we get to serve the Lord, that we abide in Christ and we bear fruit for Christ. We, his word abides in us. We ask what we will, and he'll bring it to pass. What I'm saying is every one of us are a little Jehoshaphat if we choose to be. As parents, as spouses, as singles, with roommates, on a ship, at work, where we work in a corporation, where we work in a cubicle, where we work at a mini-mart, whatever our world is, this 
If you show up at work, well, they say you always show up early, you do the job, you do it with a good attitude, and you don't go home until you're finished. That's the person that always moves up in the company. I think most of you know that. Well, you look at this guy, Joseph, as he walked in all the ways of his father. He did not turn aside from doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. His entire life is summarized that he did not turn aside. He stayed online. And, he, and we see he got pulled and pushed in different ways. His faith was tested when they were invaded from the south. And his faith was tested when he almost got killed in the battle there with talked into going to battle with Ahab and this 32 kings on their church are coming after or captains are coming after him and he's like oh lord but like he was under the blood he was a covenant and his heart was with the lord we compared Ahab and Jehoshaphat on Tuesday night and Ahab was doomed and it was self-inflicted God said I'm gonna reveal myself to you two different times and he did not respond it's like walking away from a harvest crusade and rejecting the gospel But Jehoshaphat, who was pursued and had the bullseye on him, he was delivered by the Lord because he had a heart for the Lord and he was under the blood of the Lord. And as I say Tuesday night, I say again, those with the Lord have peace, protection, prosperity according to all God's plans that he has for them. That is what's promised for us. And Jehoshaphat had it. So you got all the blessings and God, it's not your day, it's not your time. And God protects you from 32 captains stationing you on their chariot coming for you. Or you're fighting God and you think you can hide from God. You camouflage yourself on your chariot and you're just mind your own business. You think you're getting away then and the arrow from the Lord just goes right there in your armor and pierces you. And then you bleed out watching the sunset on looking towards Syria. Get to think about taking Naboth's vineyard. Get to think about fighting Elijah. Making other kings sign contracts so they weren't harboring Elijah. And you get to think about all that in your last four or five hours of your life before you step into eternity. He had every reason. He walked away from Harvest Crusades. He walked away from Pastor Chuck giving invitations, Pastor Brian Broderson giving invitations, Joey Brand giving invitations, Raul Reese giving invitations. This Ahab walked away from all the opportunities to get right with the Lord to the very end. Brian McDaniel tells a story when he shared the gospel with a Jewish man in a parking lot in a near department, so I don't know how it came about, and the man rejected Christ one more time, and l- later, within five minutes, Brian McDaniels on the scene, that man dropped dead of a heart attack, right there. God sent Brian McDaniels to give this guy one more chance, like the thief on the cross, to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he rejected it. You see, when we choose Jesus, we choose the blessings, and our life can be summarized as we let the Lord work, verse 43, that we don't turn aside to the right, to the left. And God is pleased with us. And as we saw the expanded commentary from Second Chronicles, God is for us. We're for his word. We share his word. We bring his word. We speak his word. We live his word. And it, it's a blessing. We exhort people, why would you do that? Why would you, why, why would you be corrupt like that? Why not do the right thing? What's, why would you think that way? I mean, most of you have had that situation where you told someone like, why would you even think like that? God can't honor that. God's not going to bless that. That's going to put you in a bad place. Many times in my life I've said, do you know what this is going to look like when you stand before Jesus? You've got to admire Jehoshaphat. This summary of his life is beautiful. Now, it, then it goes on to say, so that's the first point. He did what was right before the Lord. It's amazing. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. And I hope it can be said of us. Amen? Yeah, well, that's, man, I, I want the Holy Spirit to say that stuff about me in, in my life when I'm in eternity. Hopefully he can say that about my life when I'm gone and you're at my memorial. But more importantly, that he says it about my life when I'm in eternity. Yes and amen? Yeah, the same for all of you too. 
Second thing, no, this is where I feel like the human experience really comes in. In this text, his relationship with people is listed in four variations that are very interesting to me. First of all, the people of Israel and the high places. Second of all, the steward of Edom. Then the, the king of Israel is mentioned and the gay prostitutes, the Kadesh. So like, you know, like you're, you're at a memorial and you got an open mic and someone gets up, hey, you know, like, dude, Pops was like this, you know, like, dude, tell dad. That was crazy. That, like, you know, dad, dad with the people of Israel as a shepherd, man, he tried with those high places, but you know, what are you going to do? They want to keep rebuilding. I'm like, after a while, dad's like, whatever, it's your choice. And then dad with, you know, Uncle Ahab up in the north because Ahab and Jehoshaphat were linked through in-law relationships in the family tree of marriages. There was a family relation, Chronicles tells us. Okay, so like, you know, old Uncle Ahab, like, how's Papa with Ahab? I remember when Ahab got him to go out there and fight and the Ahab was struck down. Oh, that's so heavy. Wow. But he made peace with he made peace with Israel. Like Israel and Judah were always at war. And like, hey, Dad, you know, Dad made peace with those guys. <laughs> Good thing God had his back when he took on Ben Hadad, huh? On, oh, and Dad and the Kadesh, man, oh my goodness, Dad and those guys, those guys, they just keep coming back. They're relentless. Those guys never stop. Grandpa Asa tried to drive them out, and he kind of did, and then they all come back, set up their tents again. Those gay prostitutes, they're relentless. They just, they just won't go away. They're relentless. They don't stop. Hey, Dad, dealt with it. There's some things Dad said, you want to build those high places, I'm not going to stop you. But these guys, I'm going to stop that. My grandkids are not growing up, coming to the temple, seeing these tents on the hill. That is unacceptable. And they can go do that down there with the Philistines in Gaza, or they can go do that with the Edomites down there in the Sinai Peninsula, whatever. But they're not doing it here. They're not welcome to do that here. They got to go. And you know, Dad dealt with that. See, it's a summary of his relationships with people, how he was. And I think this is something we can all relate to. Because when you go to a memorial, People often talk about what the person was like in their interactions, and people get up on an open mic and they might talk about mom or grandma or dad or grandpa or uncle or a co-worker, or they inspired us with what they did in this ministry they started. This is, like, that's what happens. It's a life looked at through the eyes of different people who have a different perspective when they're looking at it from below. Now, the older you get, the less likely your peers will comment because they preceded you. My dad's in his 90s. When he steps into eternity, there are no, there's no one from his peer group when he served in the Korean War, the Vietnam War, when he was stationed in Guam, Okinawa, there, or when he got his master's degree at UVA, graduated from UW, University of Wisconsin. There's no one around from that. His parents went around to talk about his life. Like, there's just, I mean, his brother's still alive. Maybe he'll come, maybe he won't. But, like, you, you can, you know, the older you get, the less likely you get, you get, you get more like the grandchildren. Like when Ethan Marcucci's mom was laid to rest a few months ago, the grandkids all got up and spoke, and it was beautiful. This is like an open mic at a memorial service for Jehoshaphat when you think about the perspectives of people. So his relationship with the people of Israel, he's a king. He's a governor. He's a mayor. It's constituents of the city. If you're the mayor of Huntington Beach, there's 210,000 people affected by your decisions. You work with city council, and some people are saying, vote yes on this, this, and this, and some people are saying, vote no on this, this, and this, right? Unless you do your homework, who can know? And the older you get, the more you realize they come, they go. 
Someone asked me, well, I'm not more political recently. And I said, well, listen, I'm twice your age. I've seen twice as many presidents, kings, queens, congressmen, congresswomen, city council, mayors. And let me tell you, they come and go. And I don't let them get me too riled up. And I don't need you to come to your church to have me tell you how to vote. You got a voter guide, you can do your own homework. I'm going to tell you how to live for Jesus and look for the kingdom who supersedes and is over it all. And we'll have the final say on it all. And don't get upset about these people. Don't put too much trust in those who are good and pray for them all. And don't let those that are evil bother you too much. Just pray for them all. Like God says to in the New Testament, honor the king, pray for them all. Hope for the best. And just know there's a chariot of glory coming for each one of us in faith in Jesus' name. This is not our home. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.